to the pod edition of NetNod Insight, where we take an important aspect of the internet and do our best to explain it with the help of a technical expert. I am Rob Allen, Product Marketing Manager at NetNod. I've been working in the tech industry for almost 20 years, which is just long enough to know that as soon as you think you understand something, everything's about to change. And my name is Johanna Eriksson and I work as a marketing manager at NetNode. Worked in the industry for four years now, so just a beginner compared to Rob. Our guest expert who will take us through the ins and outs of routing security is Frederick Koshback. Frederick is the senior technical business developer at Amazon Web Services based in Sweden. He works with peering, routing and BGP for the AWS Global Network. Now, just to note that since we recorded this interview, some of the details uh, we mentioned here have changed, and we will chime in with some post-production magic to let you know uh, when this is the case. So, uh, let's get into the interview. Uh, so, the first question, what do we mean when we talk about routing? Um, yeah, so I guess we need to start from the very beginning at some point, right? So the internet is consisting of many ISPs uh, that connects with one of each other uh, over, for example, exchange points such as NetNode. Uh, all of these operators uh, need some way of controlling how traffic should flow and not flow through the network. So this is typically why we talk about routing. And when we speak about routing in the context of the default-free zone or rather the global internet as a whole, um, we typically use or we use BGP as the routing protocol um, uh, uh, that would that would choose. Uh, this was selected maybe thirty years ago or something like that, kind of when the internet was still an academic project. And a very important aspect to understand is kind of the the, the building blocks uh, in the in the global routing table. So we have AS numbers, autonomous systems uh, for short. Uh, these are, are un small, unique identifiers for each operator on the internet. And an operator on the internet is kind of hard to define, but is everything from, for example, Amazon Web Services, which is a fairly large uh, operator on the internet. And, um, you know, Telia is one of the largest carriers in the world. But it could also be, you know, small enterprise companies that maybe has 50 employees or even less. Uh, there is every single mobile network provider, you know, your cell phone is connected through through some ISP. All of these most likely have an autonomous system number, an AS number, and they participate in one way or another in kind of the global internet routing table, either actively, as Amazon does, like we peer on, on uh, 229 different places in the world currently and expanding that every year. Um, and um, to, to something that's much smaller. Or maybe you just buy everything from a big uh, telco. Like maybe you can buy it from here in Sweden, you can buy it from Bonhoeff or Tele2 or Telia or, or, or Telenor maybe. Uh, you buy the internet services. So they kind of operate um, in the routing table for you. Another, uh, of course, another important aspect also is the IP addresses, right? So we have IPv4 and IPv6 address space. These are allocated to these autonomous systems in some way, uh, typically controlled by the five RIRs. So you have RIPE uh, in Europe and Middle East. You have AFRINIC that covers Africa. You have APNIC that covers Asia-Pac. Uh, you have ARIN that covers North America and LACNIC that covers South America. So these five RIRs, they, they 
are kind of the bookkeepers of the internet, right? So they they make sure that, or rather, they they control the allocation so that uh, they know and they have documented publicly who owns what. Um, so they have like a, a pretty decent mapping of which autonomous systems own which IP addresses. Um, and this is very important information, and this is something that we will talk about a lot in this podcast on why this is important and what we can do to make it better, to make it even more kind of like concrete information. Okay, but what are some of the issues uh, when it comes to routing then? Yeah, so so the, it's been a lot lately, unfortunately. So so that's also you know why this podcast exists today. Uh, that that this is not a perfect system. So in the very beginning, uh, internet and the the, the the thing I call default free zone or the global internet, it's typically has typically been based on trust, just you know trust in between engineers. However, the internet has become so large, and it's also become perhaps one of the most important critical infrastructures on the planet, together with water, roads, and and uh, and uh, that's about it, I guess. Uh, elect- electricity, I guess, is also pretty important. Otherwise, it'd be an internet. Yeah. Uh, which means that there is people have seen, you know, that there's been uh, ways of um, breaking that trust uh, to either earn money or earn status or to, you know, um, affect the political landscape or uh, steal stuff. I mean, there is basically any, any type of, of fraud you can think of is doable on the internet uh, using BGP. Um, and, and in the beginning, it was not a problem because everyone kind of trusted each other and everyone knew each other. Uh, but today we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of ISPs, right? It is impossible for everyone to know everyone. Uh, whereas back in the days when it was only Stanford, Harvard and <laughs> Oxford University running internet, then yeah, they trusted each other. So it was no problem. Um, so this is why we had over the years had to implement some of some things to to kind of help us with this like even if internet still is built on a large amount of trust mm. somehow we needed to kind of fix that um so there's been a couple of interesting examples lately um the youtube reroute into pakistan was was has always been used as a, as a prime example it was kind of i think that kind of started the whole thing right mm. where where some some um I'm not, i can't even remember kind of like the pretense of it but there was an isp in pakistan that wanted to do something with YouTube internally in their network. However, all of these, you know, traffic optimizations or whatever they try to do, or censoring is quite common as well. Uh, it leaked out to the internet, and there was basically no checks in place. So, so these mis announcements or mis originations were where where this Pakistani ISP claimed to have YouTube behind them, or mm. like they were YouTube. Uh, then, yeah, the whole internet sent all of their YouTube traffic to Pakistan and and uh, this was back in this was 10 years ago or maybe even even more uh, and back in the day it was still a lot of traffic to YouTube like imagine if that would happen today it would be you know like it was non-recoverable basically but back in the days like it was still a massive problem and that kind of made people talk there is hijacks and misoriginations and these kind of you know um, bad things happening every minute like we see them all the time like someone is trying to do either some kind of fraud or just mistakes like mistakes i think is the most common one um but uh yeah this happens all the time and 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 uh every month there's basically a new big one like a new that has real effect on, on people right where 
where, you know, maybe their bank access didn't work, or maybe the newspapers that typically read online doesn't respond, or um, in some cases, I guess it was a pretty famous, I think I believe it was three years ago, uh, where a Bitcoin wallet exchange or Bitcoin exchange was, was rerouted into some server into Russia. And everyone that tries to deposit their money into that Bitcoin wallet, it went to the to the thieves, right? Um, so so pretty simple. I'm not necessarily simple, but uh, you know, it does look simple for, from from layman's perspective. It's like, well, how can this happen? Mm. Um, it's interesting that you point out it's not just malicious. It can also be just misconfigurations, like sort of honest mistakes. That there is a response. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think most of them are. I think most uh. of them are. Like ISPs tries to do something good maybe for their customers, like maybe some traffic optimization to a high, high traffic source. They try to, you know, load balance over certain links or something like that. Uh, but then these things kind of leak out uh, and, and bad things happen. So, so what kind of things have been put in place in the you know, last 10 years to help you know, uh, improve the routing security to prevent these kind of things from mm -hmm. happening? Yeah, so so I would like to kind of cover it in I guess three uh, three parts. Um, mm -hmm. Like this is kind of now where it gets technical, uh, but hopefully also a little bit interesting. So the first thing that we kind of be doing for a long time is something that we call IRR record data. So IRR stands for Internet Route Registry, okay. and this is where people have been registering traditionally. Uh, kind of ownership of things. So there's a couple of things you can kind of own or claim you have. So it's the IP prefix, they are quite, quite simple. It is like, these IP addresses are mine. These IP addresses are mine. That's kind of the, the, the basics of it. Um, then there's another thing, and it comes to when it comes to um, uh, in-between ISPs interactions. So something that we call, um, you know, if, if one autonomous system is reachable behind another autonomous system. Uh, like if we take Sweden, for example, uh, a small ISP in, in, um, in uh, I don't know, Gothenburg, maybe. It's not very likely that they build a global in internet backbone. Maybe they buy transit services from Telia or Tele2, perhaps, which are two fairly large uh, local players here in Scandinavia. Um, and then somehow Telia or Tele2 or whoever it is needs to express that they are indeed allowed to announce this small Gothenburgian ISP uh, uh, on their behalf. Mm. So this is something we call assets. So mm. these two kind of IRR data things um, has been going on for quite some time, but also kind of has the same problem as I talked before, just a basis of trust. So so these databases where you've been registering them, so in, in WHOIS databases typically, or, or routing registry, I guess is a more correct term, um, has been around 25 of them, maybe 30 even uh, over the years. So it's, we have seen a lot of digital rot there. Uh, so a lot of old information, a lot of non-maintained information, a lot of information which cannot be verified. It is like someone claimed this 11 years ago. Maybe it's still correct, maybe it's not. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been absolutely some misuse as well. Whereas these, you know, uh, frauders or whatever they are, right? They just register. It's like, hey, I'm, I have Google and Facebook and Amazon behind me from my little, uh, you know, backdoor ISP uh, uh, in a in a in a bulletproof hosting somewhere, hmm. and nothing really we can do about it, right? Like, like, like the information is 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 um, uh, not controlled by anyone. So. Coming from that, it's like, how do we make this better? So RPKI, I guess, has been 
one of the solutions that or rather a solution that's getting most traction right now is something I care deeply about and something I've been working with personally basically every day for the last five years. Um, so, so RPKI stands for Resource Public Key Infrastructure. So it is a more cryptographic, uh, verifiable system um, that's, that kind of not replaces necessarily IRR, but kind of makes it good, I would say. Uh, it does have a, lot, a great deal of overlap on uh, what it's supposed to solve, um, but it's, it, does, it does have some, some differences there. For example, in RPKI, uh, has like the building blocks for RPKI is something called a ROA. So that's a route origin authorization. Um, and this is something that the, the five RERs I talked about earlier, so Rye, Baron, Lacknik, Apenik, and Afrinik, um, they co-sign an object together with you, the owner, uh, a, crypt a cryptographic file or a cryptographic object that says uh, Amazon Web Services own this prefix and then put signatures on it. And these signatures can be verifiable that these actually comes from Amazon and and the RIR at hand has, has verified that this is true, which means that the whole kind of fraud part kind of goes away, at least in that sense. So what you do with RPKI is that you have a couple of well-defined states, like as we talked about before. So BGP is something that connects the internet, like all ISPs on the planet, they use BGP in between each other to mm. talk with each other. Um, and on these BGP sessions, as we call them, all the ISPs announce what they have reachable behind them to mm. each other. So for example, if you peer with Amazon, we will tell you, the ISP is like, hey, if you want to reach EC2 or S3, or you want to reach Prime Video or Amazon.com or Fresh or any of our customers, please come here. And then on the other side, if we peer with a mobile operator, then the mobile operator will announce all their prefixes to us that says like, here's our mobile customers in Barcelona, here's our mobile customers in Madrid, here's in Zaragoza, here in Sevilla, etc. Uh, so they announce that back to us and then we make a traffic exchange. Um, so these sessions um, uh, needs nowadays some kind of security. And what it does is that it's verify every single uh, route that comes in, it will look at that route and run it through the RPKI process. And mm. what it will does, it will try to map. So, so all these ROAs, they get downloaded into the router. So you get basically a table of, of who owns what. And then, then it tries to do a matching. Uh, so the first match you can do if it is a valid one, which means that in my RPKI robot table in the router, it has like, hey, Amazon owns this prefix. Perfect. Then it is a valid route. Please come on in. And then there's a state called unknown, which means that the, the prefix was not, was not visible in this table. And this is still the most common uh, kind of state things can be in because people don't register these ROAs. Like it, it is up to each and everyone uh, to log into their RER portal or, or there's other solutions as well. But typically I would say you log into our IRR portal and mm. you register the routes or register ROA. It is like, yes, I'm indeed the owner of this prefix and I will announce it from these and these autonomous systems. It can be one or it could be two or how many autonomous systems you need it to be uh, announced from. Uh, Three years ago, like 1% of the internet had these robots registered. Now we're up to a much better number. Uh, but what, we're what, kind of number? what kind of number um, would you say? I, I would say it's like, like something 18%. Like, let's see what the last one. Oh, it's actually 29.37% as of today. 
so in three years, it's it's gone up almost thirty percent. You'd say. Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. That's that's impressive. Okay, so I guess that's because more and more operators are starting to see the value of this, right? And for this system to really work, I mean, ideally everyone is is registering their rowers so that all the space can be kind of um, verified. Yes, yeah, that would be the best, right? Um, um, there is there is of course some space which will most likely never see a rower registered for, because uh, there is some address space in the world which. I wouldn't say it is it is it is um, in doubt who owns it, but it could be it's owned by an organization that kind of predates yes. uh, this whole RIR uh, um, build that we have now. The legacy like, holders, right? The... the legacy holders, right? And then yeah. there is ways for legacy holders to kind of claim this space, but there is a lot of politics and a lot of an economics also behind this. Whereas <laughs> there might be, you know, there might be instances where it's not worth it for them. But for the other operators, like the the that might be listening to this, what should they do sort of today? Uh, what would you advise them to do to secure the routing? So, so I've, I, I mean, I'm I'm advocating this all the time, right? This based on my job, right? So I think sure. there's two things you should do. Like if you're small or if you consider yourself maybe not a super big player on the internet, the most important thing for you is to register your routes. Like if you own prefixes, v4, or v6, or whatever it is, even if it's just one, uh, then find a process to find a tutorial on how you register AROA for it. Like I can talk for Europe. So Europe is super easy. You log into the right portal yeah. and you click the little wizard icon. It's like, please help me register ROAs and please have everything done automatically. And they have checks in place to make sure that you're not doing anything wrong, right? So that you don't break yourself. Mm. So super mm. easy. It is maybe not that it's easy in other places, but they are getting there. And I would say that all IRRs is super happy to help any one of their members out on register ROAS. What other support would you say is available for people that want to find out more information about this or need some guidance? So I think one of the one of the key enablers for this globally is um, called Manners or Mutually Agreed Norms for Routing Security. And I happen to be one of the ambassadors for it, but I would like to go into detail a little bit more what it is. Um, so it kind of started out many years ago as something called a routing manifesto. Um, so it was it was something that a lot of in, from the internet workers community kind of came together together with ISOC. So ISOC is the Internet Society is a fair, I guess, the, one of the most neutral kind of um, you know interest groups for internet things uh, or internet infrastructure things uh, that we have. Um, so they kind of helped out, start the framework, uh, lay down the rules. So it is it is uh, a fairly easy, or not necessarily easy, but it's a fairly short framework where it wants you to do different things to be a good netizen or a good you know, operator on the internet. So for example, filtering inbound routes, uh, and that's a big topic. Like it could be the old way IRR data, it could be the new way RPKI data, it could be something in between or a combination of both. Um, hmm. So that's kind of one of the first. Uh, we have the anti-spoofing thing. I'm not going to talk much about that today because that's a podcast on its own. Uh, <laughs> but that is definitely something that ISPs has been combating since the dawn of time, basically, when people try to be something they are not. Um, we have um, another action, which is to kind of, you know, maintain up-to-date information so that people can get in touch with you, like other ISPs, if they see malicious activity, so they know 
that there is workable phone numbers or at least emails and stuff like that so that you kind of can can facilitate global communications uh, in that way mm. um, and then there's also that you need to be able to facilitate uh, validation for information so for example these IRR records or the RPKI ROAS so that other ISPs can kind of help you to you know to not be part of global outages <laughs> Like if, if, if you make a mistake, because everyone makes mistakes, right? That happens all the mm. time. But if you make a mistake, it's great if all the ISPs around you that connects to you can kind of stop it in some way. Yeah, before it propagates out. and Exactly. Yeah. And, and maintaining up-to-date information on who you are and who you own or what you own in terms of IP prefixes is a great way of doing that, right? Yeah. Um, so that other people can trust your information. Um, so Manners has grown a lot recently um, we have a lot of new uh, initiatives so it kind of started out as something only for network operators uh, it was aimed to, just towards isps uh, mm. but this is you know they are not the only ones on the internet right so this had to grow so it, it now involves ixps there's a specific one for ixps so internet exchange points like like how they fit into the puzzle uh, i'm part of the cdn and cloud um, program was one of the founding members. We kind of we set the bar quite high on that. Um, um, so we joined together. So Amazon joined together with Microsoft, Google, Facebook, um, Akamai, and other very, fairly large providers. Um, mm. And we could set a very high bar on what we wanted to achieve. There's almost always someone at these you know networking meetings that has involvement in manners and that can help out. Maybe arrange a workshop or more than a free to ask. There's been a lot of material produced online as well, like uh, handbooks, mm. guidebooks, tutorials, FAQs, whatever you have uh, to kind of help people, um, self-help people become better uh, at, mm. at, at solving these challenges. So Matters is always happy to see new members join. What are your top five tips for better routing security? Mm, yeah, so I mean, if as I said before, right? So in terms of RPKI, so if you're small, then register where your ROAS. If you're large, if you're a large carrier, then it maybe it's more important to implement the origin validation at the edge to make sure that you use the RPKI information and block or accept routes based on that. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's one number one and number two, depending on who you are. Um, I think there's also a lot of work that still needs to be done on the IRR side. Like we're not getting rid of IRR, even though RPKI and IRR kind of fit together. Uh, RPKI doesn't solve all the problems that 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 um, IRR is there for. Uh, so we still need better data quality in IRR. We need better software support, and there is a lot of that coming. Um, with, for example, the involvement of something called IRD version four. Um, that has like an auto cleanup process based on RPKI, mm. which is great. Um, so, but we need more, you know, volunteers <laughs> to write this software. Um, so, so even though it's, it's pretty decent shape, like there's always help needed on GitHub uh, to kind of solve these issues on these open source softwares. Like it, there's so many people that relies on this, uh, uh, but there's so, so few kind of uh, doing, doing their part. Um, so I guess that's that's the third one that we still need to be aware and we need to make sure we kind of forget about it, right? Um, uh, I would also um, suggest people involve themselves into standardization. Um, so it is why it might seem like an old boys club and, and it to, to some extent it is, mm. but ITF 
is doing a lot of new standards. Um, um, and I mean, it's built by the community, right? So it's so ITF is not an organization that decides anything, right? It is a, it's mm. the community under the umbrella of ITF that decides the mm. new internet standards. So there's a lot of that coming up. There's a lot of small incremental mm. steps we need to take. Uh, and around routing security, there's probably 15 or 20 of these uh, things currently ongoing the standardization process. Um, and we definitely need more eyes on all of this. We need more people that can write, that are interested in this, that kind of wants to, uh, you know, look behind the curtains and see mm. how things actually work. Uh, so I guess that's number four. Um, and five, I haven't, I don't have a good five. Well, I, I think automation is, I guess, yeah. is the last part, right? Like try to avoid manual work in the network and have computers do the work for you. Uh, I guess that's, uh, um, something that would help everyone um, uh, in general sense. So we don't get these things because a lot of a lot of routing security incidents today is typos. Like it is people that, you know, uh, hit the, the two instead of the three on the keyboard. Like, that, like that's silly, right? Like a computer at least doesn't make that mistake. They make other mistakes, but they don't they don't tap the wrong mm. key on the keyboard at least. And, and you would be surprised how many of the hijacks is most likely uh, a typo on the keyboard. And that's uh, would be great if we can get mm. rid of that at least. So if people want to find out more about Manners, uh, where can they look? Uh, yeah, so Manners.org has, it's kind of the start. Um, and there is always on all these, you know, conference meetups, there will most likely be um, some kind of workshop. Um, so, for example, like, I guess a great way of trying to meet people that does this, that, that you know, that know how the sausage is made, like come to a right mm. meeting or an IRI meeting or an Afrinic meeting or APNIC mm. meeting. Like that's kind of where, where everyone gets together uh, from all backgrounds and, and talk about this stuff. And, you know, if if someone that listened to this wants to become a Manners member, I would suggest, please do. Like, like all of the tips, advices, and all, all of the things is like, yeah, you need to fulfill and this this criteria. Like all those make sense. Like it is it is this is something that you should have, right? Like it's when you put when you take your car to the DMV or Bilbesikting in Sweden, right? Like they're not there to fuck with you, right? They are there to help <laughs> you not die because your car sucks, right? Mm. Um, it's for your own good. It's not. It's for your own good, right? It's like yeah, this this like the 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 right wheel doesn't have any brakes like it's like yeah that that should probably get mm. fixed right <laughs> so i guess it's the same thing when it matters here is is uh that this is this is for you not necessarily also for the rest of us mm. but but uh yeah it is it is a joint effort i guess thanks so much to frederick from aws he mentioned that the figure for the number of rowers registered globally was 29%. That's risen since we recorded this to 38% for IPv4 and 43% for IPv6 address space. Frederick also mentioned that he was the Manners Ambassador, which was a role he held at the time of recording but has now passed to somebody else. You can find the current list of all Manners Ambassadors as well as lots of information about routing security on the Manners website at www manrs.org Now we hope you have enjoyed listening to us. Please let us know if you have any questions or topics you would like to learn about in future Netnod Insights. You can reach us at info at netnod.se okay.